Wow, super excited to spend the morning with you. Um, for those of you, maybe this is your first time to have a worship experience with us. Um, I'm Pastor Tiffany, and so excited to be sharing the word with you. We are in the middle, like Pastor Stephen mentioned, of our I Am series. Um, those are up on the podcast if you haven't uh, want to catch up with us or um, see what we've been into. But I so opened up the series with I Am the Bread of Life, and um, Many of you uh, were with us that series, or with, that, the, with us that Sunday, so um, kind of help a girl out. Remember, we were what? Blessed? And give it away. One more time. We were what? And then what? And then we promise I'm not going to have you share your bread with anybody today. I got several people who were a little freaked out by all that, but um, it was good stuff. So um, blessed, broken, and given away. And so we begin to kind of share um, through this whole I Am series, it's our heart for you to know who God is. Um, many of us, sometimes, if you ever, ever met people who are in an identity crisis, right? They're trying to figure out who they are in this world, um, whether it's through their job or whether it's through their children or many people even try to find out who they are through their own kids. You know, all these kinds of things that people are trying to find out who they are. And we've realized that when we find out who Jesus is, then we can find out who we are. In the word, it says, as he is, so am what? I. And so we have to figure out who he is so I can figure out who I am. So, um, and then Pastor Stephen um, shared with us last weekend on Easter Sunday and Easter Saturday. For those of you that were with us, thank you so much. And we did a sunrise service at Kitty Hawk Pier that was amazing too. But Pastor Stephen spent some time sharing with us on I am the resurrection and the life. And he went into the resurrection, which I thought was amazing. And he just paralleled it, paralleled it with um, Lazarus being raised from the dead. One of the things that he talked about was you don't have to wait till Easter or to Christmas to have a Resurrection Sunday. You don't have to wait for a special moment that God wants to do something in your life anytime, any moment, anywhere, any place, for anything. God is interested in you. And he went into the definition of resurrection, which I thought was so powerful. And it was one of those definitions that said to reestablish yourself, to set you back up again, to give you a purpose and a hope. So Jesus is, wants to resurrect you. Amen? And so this morning, I am going to be sharing... Um, this third one, Pastor Stephen's going to be teaching next week, and then it's kind of up for grabs the final week. We're going to have two more after um, I Am's after today, and I'm going to be teaching on I Am the Gate. And um, it's just been rolling around in me. I've been kind of studying it and mulling over, so I believe that God has something in store for us today. Amen? Amen. I'm going to um, turn with me, if you will, if you brought your Bibles today. Um, I don't know why that's doing that. Oh. No big deal. That'll go right along with my hyperactivity that I got going on. So um, I'm going to, if you will, turn with me in your Bibles. If you brought your Bible, did anyone bring their Bibles this morning? If you brought your Bible, just raise it at me. Come on. Or a phone, right? You got a phone, you got a Bible, you got an iPad, you got something. God's word is good, right? Amen. God's word is amazing. And you need to be in God's word. So you need this thing that's either on your phone or your iPad or in your lap. And um, it's the word of God. And it says it's sharp and powerful, more powerful than any two-edged sword. And it will sharpen you in your life. It was the one, it's the thing that will make you quick and equipped. This is the word of God. And it's important. Amen. And we believe in reading it. Amen. Amen. So we're going to start off. I'm going to read you a whole portion of scripture. Now, I shared uh, with First Service, I'm going to give you just a little bit of a nugget this morning, um, that my dad is in, currently in the process of reading a book um, that I wanted him to read that I had read um, in my Christian walk. I've read it a couple times. It's called Spiritual Disciplines, and it's um, a book on prayer, reading, fasting, um, uh, what else, meditation, anything else that you can think of? Um, prayer, reading. So anyway, I, as I read this portion of scripture, because I'm going to read to you 41 verses. 
41 verses. Now, it's a lot of fun because there's some great dialogue, but how many of you have ever told your kids, pay attention? Anybody ever had anybody ever, anybody ever said to anybody, pay attention, right? So here's what I'm going to encourage you with this morning. Pay attention. Now, what I, because I want to encourage you with something, I, I know personally, and I love the word of God, I know personally that there are times when I, I, I wake up in the morning and, and I, I brew my Starbucks cup of coffee and my, and, a gla- and my dad always washes my cup every night and he sets it in the same place and then I go get my coffee cup and I, I, I have this whole, whole thing where I run hot water in my coffee cup so that when I brew my coffee that it doesn't get cold fast. I don't know, it's this weird thing that I do. So while I'm opening all the blinds, I run hot water and I brew my cup of coffee coffee and I, I even have like a bible reading sweater if that's kind of makes any sense it's just like this sweater that I put on when I get on in the morning because it's kind of cold but it's not cold and so I, I get my sweater and I get my coffee and I get all my bible out and I I get my pens out and I get my pencils out and I get my all my stuff laid out and most of the time by the time I sit there I forgot my reading glasses so that I got to get back up and then I got to get my reading glasses and I sit back down but I, I honestly with almost without fail I sit in that place and I, I I'm, I'm anticipating reading the word and then something comes along and distracts me. A pro- one of you will pop, not that you're bad, but you'll pop into my mind. Or a bill that needs to be paid pops into my mind. Or something that I forgot that I remember that I wanted to tell Pastor Stephen yesterday, but forgot to tell him. It pops in my mind. And so the enemy will bring distractions and keep us from the very thing that God's getting to us. And that's why I want to encourage you that there is a discipline and on purpose to reading God's word. And not just reading it, because how many of you have ever read God's word and got done reading it and said, I don't even know what I read? So there, that tells me that there's a discipline in not only reading God's word, but listening to the very words that we're reading. Amen? So tap your neighbor and say, I'm listening. Okay. So here we go. Say, John chapter 9. I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. There's some dialogue in here. It's kind of humorous, so it's okay to laugh if you think something's funny, because you'll hear me laughing. So here we go. John chapter 9. Let me grab my glasses. I love you this morning. I'm excited for what the Holy Spirit wants to share with us. My glasses and this thing don't match very good. Okay, here we go. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Verse 2, Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It is not because of his sins. This is Jesus talking in red letter. It is not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and there is no one and and then no one can work. But while I'm here in this world, I am the light of the world. In verse 6. Then he spit on the ground and made mud with saliva and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. Verse 7. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. Exclamation point. His, verse 8, his neighbors and others who knew him as the blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, and others said, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I'm the same one. And they asked, who healed you? What happened? And verse 11, he told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed, and now I can see. Where is he now, they asked. Well, I don't know, he replied. Then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. Which uh, you're not allowed to heal people, I guess, on the Sabbath. The Pharisees asked the man all about it. So he told them, he put the mud over my eyes and then I washed it and I could see. 
Some of the Pharisees said, this man Jesus is not from God. He is working on the Sabbath. Others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was deep division among opinion. There was deep division of opinion among them. Verse 17. Then the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, what is your opinion about this man who has healed you? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. The Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man had been blind and now could see. So they called in his parents. <laughs> this is funny. They asked him, is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he see? His parents replied, we don't know. We know this is our son, and we know that he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him. His old, <laughs> he is old enough to speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. And that is why they said, he is old enough, ask him. Verse 24. So for the second time, they called in the man who had been blind and told him, should God get the glory for this? Because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. I don't know whether he is a sinner, the blind man replied, but I know this, I was blind and now I can see. But what did he do, they asked. How did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed, I told you once. Didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become one of his disciples too? Verse 28. And then they cursed him and said, you are a disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to, we know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. Why, that is very strange, <laughs> the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from? We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear the vo those who worship and do his will. Verse 32, ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of the, blind, of the one born blind. If this man were not from God, he wouldn't have done it. Verse 34, you are born a total sinner. <laughs> Thank you, Miss Linda, that is funny. <laughs> they answered, and you are trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. We're switching gears here. And when Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And the man answered, Who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said, and, you, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshiped Jesus. And then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think that they see that they are blind. Some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, are you saying we are blind? Verse 41. If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied. But you can remain guilty because you claim that you can see. Father God, I ask right now for the Holy Spirit to just speak words of life and revelation to each one of us. I know that you're hovering among us and that you live in us. And right now, I ask that the teaching of your word would manifest itself in a revelation that we would see things more clearly than we've ever seen them before, that we would know you closer than we've ever known you before, that we would have revelation that we've never seen before. We thank you, Father God, for it is our heart's desire to know you, to find our identity in you, to see who you called yourself so that we, as laborers, co-laborers on this earth, can do the work of the ministry that you've called us to do. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see so that we may know the hope of our calling. And thank you, thank you, thank you for your spirit. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Just want to talk to you for a few minutes um, about this, um, about access. Does anybody 
in this room have, wear a badge to get to work. You have to have a badge. You have to have a, any, any um, you, you know, anybody in here have a door that when you go to your office that you have to put a code in where you have to access into your code? Any, a couple of you, yeah? Um, anybody have a security, security um, system on their house, on their house where you have to punch in some, some numbers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how about this? Anybody in this room have a keyless um, car entry where you punch in your numbers? Love those things. Love those things. Like, you don't even need your key. Um, how many of you have a password or an access code to your bank account? Yeah? Anybody know your four digits? Yeah? You know your four, you, you know your four digits when you slide your bank card in and they ask you for your digits? Every, everything pretty much that you need has to have an access code. You, you know, you type it in, you go in, and, uh, I, I, you know, I'm kind of one of those people, um, if I want to be real honest, it's okay if I'm transparent about myself, I'm kind of an access snob. You know what that means? Like, um, I like to know people who know people. Now, you guys are going to think something about me, but really this is true about yourself. Are you one of those people that when you see long lines, immediately you're thinking, who do I know that can get me through this line? I, I'm, I, I'm like, I immediately see a line and I'm thinking, man, I got to know somebody so that I don't have to wait in this line. Like there has got to be a different access, a different way into this place that I want to get to without waiting in this line. Like in my mind, I don't mean that I think I'm somebody, but I'm thinking I got to know somebody who thinks that they're somebody. You know, I got to be friends with somebody who, who thinks, because for some reason, I, see, we grew up, Pastor Stephen and I did uh, um, 14 years of ministry uh, in a fairly large church uh, in Ohio. They had about 3,000 people. They had about 75 employees. And so uh, we were probably one of the very first ones that they brought on staff. So as it grew, you know, we had a key. And so there was one, they, they distributed keys, but th the one key that they gave us gave us pretty much access to any door that you wanted to go into. So you could have access to anywhere. And as they, you know, as they grew and grew, then they had certain keys that only opened certain doors. But even now when I go back, um, you know, it's funny because I feel like I should have access. You know, we go back there, we've been gone 11 years, but I, I know what's behind the doors. I know that there's a Keurig that'll brew my Starbucks more than the Maxwell houses in the foyer. I know that there, I know that behind there, there's some thing that I want to get to that I can't get to because I no longer have access to it. And it's funny because people that are on staff there that knew us when we were on staff there, they, they still feel like I have access. So when they see me, they're like, oh, do you want to come back here? Even though I'm a key, I'm like, yeah, I want to go back there. Wherever you're going, I'm going with you, you know? And it's funny because people, employees that are there, have come there since we've been gone, they'll look at me strange and think, why do you have access? And I'm like, oh no, I got access. We're always trying to get access, and we had a really cool thing happen to us um, a couple years back. A friend of ours, uh, her name's Kendra Flack, uh, she was the road manager for Carrie Job for um, a while, and just, she's an amazing, um, Pastor Stephen and I had her in our youth group back in Ohio, awesome girl, and so she texted me a couple years back, and she was heading up the Outcry tour. Anybody ever been to Outcry? So she was heading up the Outcry tour, and she texted and said, hey, do you guys want to come? We're going to be in Virginia Beach, and I was like, yes, and she's like, I'll get you tickets, and I was like, oh, yes, yes, and so, because I wanted access, and so when we got there, she said, just when you get there, um, she said, go ahead and go to the ticket booth and just say my name. Don't you love it when people say that? Just say my name. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll say your name. And so we get to the ticket booth, and we're, we walk up, and Pastor Stephen said, Kendra Flack. And they're like, oh, oh, yeah. And so they gave us these special wristbands. And, and there was long lines. There was long lines everywhere. And so they said, oh, you don't go in that line. You go in that line. I was like, oh, yeah, that's the line I'm in. Whatever line gets me to the line, that's the fact. Not only that, when we walked in, we, they, they even offered us a golf cart. 
So you didn't even have to walk if you didn't want to. The, the, these wristbands got us golf. I was like, hey, is there food? You know, I'm just teasing. But the, the, these wristbands gave us, we, we bypassed, we decided to walk. But these wristbands gave us access to, to, the, to the golf cart ride. And, and, and in her mission, she texted me and she said, hey, um, just show your wristband. Just show your wristband and you can come backstage. So I was like, mm-hmm. I'm just teasing, like, you know, we were, we were like showing, because you know, when you got something, when you got something that people know that you have, that means something, you're not, you're not afraid anymore. You're like, oh yeah, I got me some access. And so, so, we're, so I, I love, I love access. I, I think it's awesome. We, we had a funny experience happen. Uh, we had the privilege of using the Black Stallion house. Does anybody, anybody know where that house is? It's in um, the Curry Tuck Country Club. Amazing, beautiful house. And so we've used it several times for the marriage retreat, and it's back, it's back behind a gated community um, in, in the Curry Tuck um, Golf Club, and so when we sent all of our guests the information and directions, we told them that they had to have to use this access code um, to make the gate lift, and so what happened was, I don't know if it was the user malfunction or just the gate malfunction, but all these couples kept coming in, and it was funny because they were hit, the hit and the code, and you know wives always think that they're smarter than men. You know, that's how that works. So the husbands were doing the access code, and the gate wasn't opening. So by the time, like, five of the couples got in, they were in full-on fights over the access code. Like, my dumb husband couldn't even hit the right numbers, you know? And so it was, but how many of you know that the access code or access gets you into places that you want to be in, right? Access. So I, I'm, I'm here to tell you this morning that I think that that is the issue that's going on here in John chapter 9. The issue is the Pharisees had, the, the, the Pharisees had an issue with the fact that the beggar, that the blind man had access to healing, not only did he have access to healing, he had it on the Sabbath from a day, from a person that they didn't even know. He had access. He had access. And they were thinking, who gave you that access to get healed? They were questioning his mama. They were questioning his daddy. Not only did they question them, they questioned him several times. Who gave you permission to get healed? Who gave you that permission? Because we got some formalities that go along with healing. We got some things that must go down for you to be healed. We got some rigmarole for you to do. We got some kneeling and some standing. And we got some goats that need to be cut open for you to get that healing. Who gave you permission to get healed? And who gave you permission to get healed on the Sabbath? Because you are a sinner. A sinner from birth. And you have no right to be walking around and seeing. And we want to know who gave you that. So as I'm studying and teaching on the gate, you know, how I do it is I kind of just close my eyes and sometimes just get a picture. I'm like, what, what is Jesus saying? Because when he says this kind of stuff, like I am the gate or I am the bread, I'm thinking, I always think it's got to be deeper than just what it is, you know, because Immediately, we just had this picture in our mind. So just close your eyes real quick. And when I say the word gate, what comes to your mind? Gate. Oops, someone's phone. Gate. You could open your eyes. How many of you saw a white picket fence gate? Only Pastor Stephen. How many of you saw a wooden gate? 
How many of you saw a gate kind of that goes into an, uh, a subdivision, a big gate? Yeah? How many of you saw gates like iron gates that go like around the, yeah? Isn't it amazing? So he, he, here's an interesting thought. If Jesus says, I am the gate, then however you view the gate is how you're going to view him, right? Because when I said the gate, a picture popped into your mind of what a gate was. And then when he says, I am the gate, if you don't know what that gate looks like, then you'll immediately view him as the gate that you have in your mind. Am I right? If we don't get further understanding of what he really means when he says, I am the gate, then you'll just read right over that and says, oh, well, Jesus is the gate. What is he the gate of? And what does his gate look like versus on, parallel with the gate that's in your mind when I say the word gate? I'm, I propose this, that the majority of us in here think that the gate to Jesus Christ looks like this. And this is what the Pharisees were saying to the blind man. This is what they were saying. They were saying, oh, no, no, there's a gate to go to. There, there's, some, there's, a, there's something that you've got to do. Like, you got healed, and we want to know who gave you permission to get healed. We want to know what, who, who allowed you to go through this and get something, and we didn't know about it. See, a lot of times in our mind, because of religion, because of the way we were brought up, because of disappointment, because of whatever it is, whatever it is, we view the access to God, we view it like this, like it's impenetrable, like we can't get to it, like their standards are too high, and I've had too many divorces, I filed bankruptcy too many times, my bank account's too low, I can't stand my wife, I can't stand my husband, all this is going wrong, and I don't have access, and we view getting to God and the things that he has for us through this way, through this gate. And we see it this way, through the gate. But that's not how Jesus viewed it at all. When he said, I am the gate, he had something very, very, very different in mind. I'm going to read with you, if you will, in John chapter 9, where we were. We're only going to say right here in these verses. In John chapter 9, I'm going to read to you verses 40 and 41. Then here's the deal. I'm going to go right on down to verse to chapter 10 because there is no break. It looks like it's a break to you because it goes from John chapter 9 to John chapter 10, but there is no break. See, John chapter 9, the reason he even spoke about John chapter 10 was because of John chapter 9. So John chapter 10, we're going to read these verses, verses 1 through 10, and I want you to see something. So here we go. John chapter 9, verses 40 and 41. Some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, Are you saying we are blind? If you, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, replied, Jesus replied. But you remain guilty because you claim you can see. I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of the sheepfold rather than going through the must surely be a, a thief or a robber. But the one who enters through the is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the what? Gate. I'm sorry. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. The sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they do not know his voice. Verse 6. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration, didn't understand what he meant. So he explained it to them. Here we go, right here. I tell you the truth, I am the what? 
for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the... Those who come in through me will be what? They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and destroy, but my purpose is to... Stop. My purpose is to. So we did a little study on the gate. And this is actually what the gate looked like. I don't know. Can you guys see what, the, what it looks like over here a little bit? Yeah, you can? So this is really the shepherd's gate. And what, what the shepherd used to do is he would corral, if he was out in the country, he would build this gate with, he would build this little corral with rocks. Can you throw that picture up for me? He would build this, he would build this corral with like rocks. And then what he would do is he would lay in front of it like this. And this is what he meant when he said, I am the gate. What he's saying to them, what he's saying to them is, listen to me, they're the only way in is through me. It's not through any rigmarole. It's not through any hardship. It's not through any rules. It's not through any regulations. If you want to come into salvation, the only way you're going to come in through is through me, is through this gate. And he lay, here's the interesting thing. He actually lays his life down and lays at the gate's entrance for you to come in and find protection. Now, now here's, a, here's an interesting thing. Here's an interesting thing that's been, that's been rolling around on me. Even this morning, I was, I was, you know, I don't know if anybody ever does this, if you wrestle with a word. I know that sounds like a funny thing. You kind of wrestle around in your spirit. You, you, I, so when I'm reading things, I, and especially if I want to teach them to you, I want, to, I want them to get in. I, I need them to get in me so I can get them to you. And so I, I talk to the Holy Spirit like, what do you, this is how I talk to them, what do you mean? What are you trying to say to us? Because I realize that he, there's something that he's always trying to get to us. He wants us to see it how he sees it. Because we can only see it, we can only understand it if we take the time to get the revelation that the Holy Spirit wants to give us. So I'm wrestling around with the fact that, to me, when I look at that picture, when I look at that, that thing, I feel like, hey, listen, a, sh a sheep could get out if he wants to get out. A sheep, a sheep really, I feel like if he did like, if he like ran kind of back and he did kind of one of those things, I feel like he has the ability to kind of just jump over that wall. I feel like, so, so even this morning I was just talking to the Holy Spirit, listen to me, you coming into this place, into this place of salvation and protection and goodness, this is not a have to thing, this is a get to thing. This is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Listen, the sheep could have escaped if they wanted to. The sheep could get out if they want to, but the goodness and the protection and the life that God has in store for you, I'm, I'm just asking you, I'm trying to figure out, why would you want to? Why, why, listen, when, when he says I'm going to lead you, Pastor Stephen's going to teach us next week on the good shepherd. I am so excited to see what that shepherd wants us to have. But before you can know that the who, what the shepherd is, you have to know that he's the gate to your life. He's the protection to your life. This, listen, this is not a, this is not, we, in some translations it says this is the door. But even Carson was sharing with me this week, she said, we came across this word, this word barrier. And she said, it's not a barrier. The gate is not a barrier. The gate is access. It's the gate way it's the thing it's the very he's the very thing you go through to get to the that's why even Sarah Cutton's also saying to me the other day she said that's why they named it gateway because it's access into a world that you have yet to discover 
And Jesus was saying, listen, if you just come unto me, if you just come to me and come through this access, it's not just, oh, hell, it doesn't, that's why our Christian walk doesn't just stop at salvation. What happens when we go through the door of salvation, then we get protection, then we get goodness, then we get peace, then we get grace, then we get love, then we get provision, because it's the access to everything he has for us. Amen. It's access. It's the gate. It's the gate. So the interesting, I'm excited. I was telling them, I said, um, you know, we talk a lot about homiletics. For those of you that don't know what that is, it's just kind of the art of speaking. And so one of the things that they're always trying to work with me on is they say, okay, so, so when you come out, of the, come out of the gate or when you get up there, don't go to a 10 right away. Like kind of pace yourself. You know, and so they're like, kind of, you know, go from like, you know, go to a five and then a six. And I'm always like, I don't, I can't help it. Like, I'm a 12 on the inside. Like, I just want to get there, you know, because sometimes the revelation inside of me is so much that I want you to see what God has in store for you. Listen, this is not just a Sunday appearance. This is not just an attendance. This is the revelation that God wants you to have to live in victory all the days of your life. For, for some reason, for some reason, we can get saved. We can get born again. And we, anybody ever had get born again you had some baggage just raise your hand and punch your neighbor that's the truth you know you had some baggage but do you want to know something you can walk you can go in the door of salvation and still carry your baggage right on with you and so many times as believers we walk around like this like hunchback we we walk we're saved we're going to heaven hallelujah but we're walking around like this carrying all that junk with us because we don't have revelation of what we're supposed to get when we come through the gate Hallelujah. So I, I was wrestling with this one part of the scripture here in verse. This is okay? You guys good? I was wrestling with this one part of the scripture that it says this. It says um, in verse 9, it says, I am the gate, and those who come in will be saved. And then he says, and they will come and go freely. Come and go freely. And I was like, what, what, what does that mean? Because it seems to me like, you know, you kind of think, well, you go into the gate of salvation, you never get out. You know, you're like you in. Like, you know, because, some you know, lots of people um, kind of wrestle with that scripture, and they always say the one saved, always saved kind of thing. And, and so, um, and so I, I, but I'm thinking, like, what's he mean? Like, you'll come and go freely. Like, you get saved. You get to come into the corral. You get to come in you get to enjoy salvation then he says you come and go freely i'm like what what's all that mean like what do i get to do come and go freely and get to do so my so my sweet friend sarah gonzalez we were talking yesterday here at the church for a little bit she calls me last night and she's like i can tell by the tone of her voice she's like "Ooh." i was like what she's like i got it i was like you got it because you know listen to me i'm not the only teacher in this house and I'll be honest with you, if you got some good revelation, hand it over. I'll teach it for you, baby. Listen, listen, uh, listen, I am not the only person. You get revelation that needs to be shared. And so she, uh, and I, she is an amazing, she is, she loves her walk with Jesus. Her and Jesus, they're besties. She called me and she said, oh, I was, I was researching, I was talk, I was researching the gate for you. She said, I came across this. She said, I'm gonna, she said, you're, you're going to be so excited because I was wrestling with her. I was telling her, I kept thinking, what, what's it mean? Go and come, go and come, go and come. What's that? What's he trying to, because, you know, I was trying to think about it just for me and my natural mind. What's that mean? What's that mean? So she sent me this. Oh, wow. Salvation, protection. But, but, but listen to this. Listen to this. Tap your neighbor. Say, I'm listening. Okay, because you have to listen. Here we go. When Jesus stood among the crowds and spoke of the sheep, familiar images of fields and grazing sheep would have come to the minds of the hearers as well. 
For some, the biblical images of God gathering lambs into his arms would have crossed their minds. But these wouldn't have been the only images that came to mind, particularly for those who heard Jesus in Jerusalem. My sheep listen to my voice, he said. I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, and no one can snatch them out of my hand. Standing in the temple of Jerusalem, preaching to worshipers and religious leaders, these words of Jesus about sheep would have evoked oh, a bold awareness of sounds and activities all around them. At tables nearby, bleeding sheep were being sold and carried further into the temple where they were led through a door to a place of sacrifice. Far from the peaceful setting of a pasture, Jesus spoke of a sheep in a place where they were, I'm missing this page, so, quite, so it is quite telling that Jesus first identifies himself not as the good shepherd, but as the gate. In the ancient walls of Jerusalem, now here's the part I want you to hear so bad. In the ancient walls of Jerusalem, in the ancient walls of Jerusalem, there was a gate on the north of the city by which animals were brought in from the countryside for sacrifice. It was called the Sheep Gate. Once inside the city and within the temple courts, there, were, there was only one door the sheep went in, and no lamb ever came back out entering the temple. They only traveled in one direction, and there they were sacrificed for the sins of men and women. First century hearers of Jesus' words about the sheep, such knowledge added to the shock of Christ's words. And he says, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. I am the gate. Whoever enters me will be saved, and he will come in, and he will go out. <laughs> it's so good. He will come in and go out, and I lost my place because I thought it was so good, and find pastures. And the temple filled with sheep on their way towards death. Jesus declared there was a way out. I have come that they may have life and have it to full. I am the good shepherd. Like the child in my Sunday school class, I readily imagined the good shepherd's delight in the task of caring for his flock. He goes willingly in search for one that has gone astray. He gently offers his arms and guidance through the valley beside the still waters, and he calls us by name. Just so you know, you'll know maybe this more next week, but the sheep had names. Just like your dog has a name, just like your horse has a name. They, they didn't say, here, sheepies. They, they each, each of the sheep had their own name. That's why he said he knew them by name. He calls us by name and smiles at recognition of his voice. But he also breaks into the courtyards where there is no longer hope. He refuses to cower through the course of our rescue. <laughs> Though he is accosted by our sins and humiliation and by our denials, he provides a way. Though it costs him everything, he is the good shepherd who lays down his life for his friends so that even one lamb can't get away. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What? Listen to me. There was a gate 
that had to be, that the sheep had to be taken in. And those sheep were killed and the blood was shed so that you and I, so that the people back under the old covenant could be remitted of their sins. It was the only way that they could be forgiven. If you wanted to be forgiven, if you came and said, I'm sorry for lying, I'm sorry for stealing, I'm sorry for yelling at my husband, I'm sorry for being a jerk. If you wanted to say you're sorry, they had to bring a lamb and the lamb had to be without spot or wrinkle. It couldn't have a blemish. They brought those lambs in through the sheep gate and they knew that they were on their way to death. There was never a way out and the lamb was slain and the blood was shed so that you could walk in freedom. And what he said today is, I became the gate. I became the sheep. And guess what? Because I laid my life down, you get to come and go freely. You do not have to die for your own sins. I paid the price. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Which means that you get to, which means that when you come to him, and even repent of your sins. Father, God, I just worship you. I thank you for the shed blood of Jesus Christ that makes me white as slow, white as snow. I thank you, Father God, for the remission of my sins. I thank you, Father God, that I don't have to look at it like this, that I don't have to do this, and I don't have to get up and down, and I don't have to do any rigmarole. I don't have to do any acts of, of, of works. I don't have to do it. All I come to is I come to the gate, and I say, Father God, I receive you. I receive your goodness. I receive your, your mercy. I receive your grace. And he says, come. Then what he tells us to do is he says, come to the gate and walk in. But what you get, this whole series... I said this to you in the beginning, has been our heart is, okay, how as he is, because if you don't know who he is, then you cannot be, the, do the word. And the word says, as he is, so am what? So if you don't know what the gate looks like, then you don't know how to do the gate. So for me, listen, I'm asking myself, how, how does that translate? How am I now the gate? Because what that tells me is, is when I come in through the gate, I can get refreshed. I can get all that I need. I get the grace. I get the mercy. I get the love. I get the strength. I, I get the hope. I get the encouragement. All that I need that I get in the shepherd's fold. All that I need that I get that comes through this place right here. And as I lay beside green pastures, listen to me. In verse, in verse um, 10, it tells us the thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and destroy. Then he says, but my purpose is to give them a rich and what? Woo! Come on, tap a friend or an enemy or somebody. Ho! He says, I just want to give you a rich and satisfying life. I don't know what else there is to get. I'm trying to I'm just trying to figure out what else, what, that's rich and satisfying sounds pretty all-inclusive to me. I don't know about you. If there's another adjective you want to put in there, I'm sure we could find one. But a rich and satisfying, he said, if you just come through the gate, all I want to give you is lead you into a rich and satisfying life. Hallelujah. And you'll hear probably even next week when Pastor Stephen begins to talk to us about the shepherd. Later on in verse 10, towards the end of verse 10, listen to this. This is a powerful thing because we have to know how to be the gate. We have to know. Because when we leave here, we receive the gate. We know the gate. We've experienced the gate. But I have to be the gate to somebody else. Later on in these verses, what he says is, listen to me. He said, there'll be sheep. Oh, he said, there'll be sheep that are added to our fold that do not recognize the voice of the shepherd but they only follow other sheep. So this 
Shepherd they will not know, but the sheep will follow other sheep. So it's our job to take the sheep who don't know the voice to the gate. That's how we're the gate that leads to the ultimate gate. Because people will follow, I'm telling you what, people will follow you. There'll be so much grace. There'll be so much goodness. There'll be so much joy. There'll be so much peace. I'm telling you, you'll be so looking good. I'm telling you, you look so amazing. There'll be some, an account, there'll be an accountant about you that'll make, it says the goodness of God. I, I, you know, I thought about that the other day. It says the goodness of God draws man to repentance. Do you know that people don't actually see God? They see the goodness of God on you. And that's what draws a man. When people come up to you and they say, but Latanya was telling us in, in Bible study the other night, we had our, our small group on Monday nights, she said, you know, people will come up to me and they'll say, how do you smile all the time? And she'll say, wide, wide open gate. Oh, come, come on to my gate. And you know what she's saying? She's, listen, what she's saying is, is listen, I, I, you know what? Do I, have, do I have days? Do I have opportunities to have a tough time? Was I a single mom? Oh, oh yeah. Did I have um, three children? Oh, yeah. Did I get my master's degree? Oh, yeah. Am I now the principal of an alternative school? Oh, yeah. Do you know how I got this way? Through him? Through the gate? Do you think I did this on my own? You think I got joy and peace on my own? You think I live in an increase on my own? Do you think I have a good marriage? Heck no, on my own. We don't do this on our own. We lead people. We are the gate. And then we lead people through the gate. Amen. Stand up to your feet. Blessed, broken, given away. I am the resurrection. I am the gate. He is the passageway to a glorious life, a rich and satisfying life. If you want to know what that looks like, you can just look over my parents. I've been serving God since they were, my mama was 12. My daddy had to serve God if he wanted to date my mama. So he decided to do that at 16. You know, you, I'll be honest with you, you can, you can start making friends with people who don't know the Lord, and they'll like you so much that they'll want to serve the Lord. It's amazing how it'll happen. A rich and satisfying life. Anybody want to be one of some of that? Don't you, listen, you know what I love about it? It never runs dry. He said it's new every morning. He said he has a fresh, do you know that even the longer that you serve God, it doesn't mean you get to run out. It all, actually, what it means is that you just have more of it because you have more understanding, more revelation, more of his goodness. It doesn't even take, man, you can just get right in your reading chair, get right into your car and, you know, be right there. Oh, Father God, bam, I love you. No works. No trying to get somewhere. No apologies necessary. Don't you love when no apologies are necessary? I love those kind of friends. You know I'm sorry. We're over it. He knows your heart. He knows where you're at. He's not mad at you or disappointed. 
Father God. Thank you for the picture of the gate. Thank you that there's no longer just the sheep's gate. We're only one way in and no way out. Father God, you provided the greatest escape of mankind. I'm so grateful that I don't have to pay for my own sins. I'm so grateful that you paid a price that I could not pay. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful even all my tomorrow mistakes are covered in your goodness and in your grace. I'm so grateful. So grateful. And this morning, even at the sound of my voice, if you're in this place and you've never walked through the gate of salvation, of making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, He says, Come to me, get protection, find nourishment. I'll take you to green pastures. If you're in a dry and desert place, he says, come unto me, all, all who are thirsty, and I'll, I'll give you rest, I'll give you drink, I'll feed you. Stop scouring the desert land. He's got a well supply. If you're in this place and you want to just call on the name of Jesus, I promise I'm not going to embarrass you. It's never our heart to call you out. Just by the raise of your hand with every eye closed, we're all going to pray together. If you just want to say, Pastor Tiffany, it's me. I, I want to come to the gate. I want access to a rich and satisfying life. I'm going to count to three, and you can just raise your hand. One, he's in this place. Two, he came just for you. Three, just raise your hand if that's you in this place. Just raise your hand. 